0: Financial advisor, Steve Peasley.
1: Good afternoon. I'm Steve Peasley and welcome to Vest Talk. It is August 23rd, 2022. So I appreciate you being with me on Vest Talk. And I do really enjoy doing the podcast with Justin. I, every, we do it every day, Monday through Friday, live. And the phone number you will want to use to call me to ask any financial questions is the same as it always is—twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week—eight eight 99 chart. And I got a pretty pretty full schedule today, so my focus point concerns the question: How much money should you be saving every paycheck? How much? Now, there's a 50-30-20 budgeting rule, if you ever heard that one. There's an 80-20 budgeting rule. So there's different ways to do it. So we're going to get into that. And time permitting, i got several others uh, topics I want to talk about. We're seeing economic numbers came out for July today. I think we need to talk about that. And J.P. Morgan says, with inflation, retirees need to toss the 4% rule of withdrawal out of their retirement accounts out. They don't like the 4% rule anymore. I don't know if I agree with them on that, but we're going to discuss it. And finally, retirement risks you need to plan for, besides just running out of money, as I just mentioned, with the JP Morgan rule. So those are things we'll talk about today, but of course, you always come first. I'm, you know, Whatever it is on your mind, long as it's financial, we'll talk about it. I would like to, you to give me a call. Um, I see at the Color Voice Bank, we have several questions there. We're going to talk about Cisco. You know there's two Ciscos, right? One's a food delivery company, Cisco with an S, and the other one is Cisco with a C, Cisco Systems, a tech company. Though so there, we're talking about the tech company. And also, uh, Savamo Corporation. So those two we'll talk about. My trivia question today concerns the history of income tax in the U.S., the most dreaded tax most people hate, the history of income tax in the U.S. The answer will probably shock you, and that's coming up on the hallway, halfway point of the podcast. I've known the, the, the history for a while, and it's... Uh, it is shocking. So I've got all this plan for this episode of the podcast, but again, of course, you know this—you drive the show in the direction you want with your live calls. So the number is 99 chart. So the market didn't do so well today. Did poorly, very poorly yesterday, but didn't do very well today either. But not terrible. Uh, the Dow was down one hundred and fifty points, one hundred and fifty four points. The Nasdaq was flat. Neither up nor down, and the S and P 500 was down nine points. So it wasn't that terrible of a day. And you know, are we done with this little rally we've had since the low low June low point in June? I mean, all through August here we've done all through July and all, mostly all through August we've done pretty decent. Hasn't gone straight up, but it's been pushing its way up from the bottom, made in June. So is that done? Are we still going to have another run? Well, I think we're going to be dependent on some numbers. That's what I think. I think the weakness today was was on economic number news. So we're going to talk about that. Well, hopefully we'll talk about it. But again, as I said, it's always you who drive the show. So let's go to our first caller question right now.
2: Oh, good afternoon. I was wondering what your thoughts are on Intel, I-N-T-C, I'm a long-time holder of the company and plan on holding it into the future. And I know that its uh, price in stock has been down as of yet, but it pays uh, over 4% dividend. And I feel it's a strong company, but I was wondering what key fundamentals that you would be paying attention to that would be a, a potential sell. Anyhow, thank you very much.
1: Well, it is a big blue-chip company, $139 billion in size, and it's more subject to the economic cycle than anything else. And then the economic cycle is down. The stock has been falling pretty much, you know, most of the year. It had a little rally uh, in the beginning of the year. But since, you know, like February or so, it's fallen pretty steady. And that's because the economic cycle has been, you know, we're, we're into the – recession phase of the economic cycle now i know people are going to argue with me about the recession so i'm saying that because that's more the cycle intel follows it's very sensitive to the economic cycle and it's now at a low in the economic cycle but i think the fundamentals look pretty darn good it's going to make two dollars thirty cents a share this year two dollars 71 a share next year down from 550 550 last year so it that is another reason why it's falling because it's at that part of the cycle. What I do like about the fundamentals in Intel besides the dividend and a strong $8.43 cash flow and the mutual funds buying slowly, very slowly over the last year, there's, I like, you know, the new, um, I forgot what the name of the law that they passed in Congress and signed by the president that is going to spend money and give money to chip manufacturers to build factories here in the United States. I mean, we're talking not little tiny bits of money, we're talking about billions, several billions of dollars. And that's gonna benefit Intel directly. So I kinda like that part, and I think that dev- dividend's pretty solid at 4.3%. I really do. So I like Intel. I mean, yeah, the price has been beat up. Uh, it was selling for 60 bucks a share, now it's at 33. And at $2.70 next year, that means that the PE is not super cheap, but it's fairly cheap. Turn equity is really good, 26%. Not too much debt. They're, they're, they're in very good shape. We're moving into a quick break. I welcome your financial investment questions, and you can do it right now. No question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda, not me. So give me a call 888 99Chart.
3: Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you
2: still think aluminum has a ways to go from here? When do I know the right time to take... Profits. Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here?
3: And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction.
2: I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show.
3: Uh, I've been listening for
4: several years now, and I've time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the twenty four seven anytime listener line at 99 chart. Hello.
1: First of all, thank you guys again for the great show. Okay, Cisco Systems, a 196 billion dollar company, another very large company, makes switches, routers, and other networking and communications hardware for businesses and home appliances. They've been very, very steady over the years. One of the reasons why you know this is a company that you would not hurt yourself by putting in your portfolio. But sales growth is is flat the last couple of quarters. Uh, but it's never as strong. It's just you know, under ten percent when it does growth and and sometimes you have some shrinkage. So it's just one of those big blue chip stocks now. It pays a three point two percent dividend, doesn't have much debt, which is what you wanna see in a dividend player. Not much debt, pays good, return on equity is very good at thirty five percent. Another thing you wanna see. And you see a lot of support with mutual funds. There's there was 4,389 mutual funds owning it a year ago. Now there's 40, uh, 4,663. Okay, a couple hundred more. They're going to make $3.79 next year per share. It's a 47, $47 stock. The five-year P.E. range is 10 to 20, so therefore it's at the lowest of, of its P.E. range. So it kind of tells me that it's not a bad purchase right here. Will, will it get weaker? It could. It got down to, what, uh, 41, 42 then bounced to forty-seven, so it's been rising in the last—I don't know. Let's see. Let me go back to a daily chart instead of the weekly. Uh, yeah, since uh, what about the end of July? So it rallied with the market and has been down the last two, three days. But I, I kind of, I kind of like Cisco System. Three point two percent dividend—you can't, you know, you can't complain about. You just can't. Um, so that's Cisco Systems. Uh, 888-99-CHART, my focus point concerns how much money should you be saving from your paycheck? The 50-30-20 budgeting rule is pretty handy, and what that refers to is 50% you pay for your your needs. That's 50% of your paycheck, your needs. 30% of the paycheck for your wants and 20% for savings. And the, the other rule they have is 80-20, which is pretty much the same rule. That 20% is still for saving. You're supposed to save 20% of your 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 income. Now, that's very difficult to do, as I know. And the other and the 80-20 means, well, 80, you split it any way you want to between wants and needs. Okay. So those are the two kinds of rule of thumbs. Most people, you know, you do realize that 45% of Americans have less than $1,000 saved. Forty-five percent of Americans in the United States have less than thousand dollars saved for anything emergency. That is way, way, way too low. So the first thing you do, the first thing you do, those forty-five percent, start building some money for emergency. Have an emergency fund. Uh, you probably should have two or three months' worth of your salary for emergencies. So start doing that. You can do it. Most people can do it. They just don't want to do it. And what I've noticed over the years is that saving for retirement for some people is very easy, but for most people is very difficult. They just have trouble getting into the habit of saving and are investing for the future. They just don't do it. They start very young not doing it, spending every money, every dime they get, and they just never get around to it until they're old. The earlier you start, the less you have to save. So my suggestion is just start saving something. Just spend less than you earn. I would be content if you spend 10% less than you earn, that 10% you invest. I'd be very content with, with any client prospective client I talk to. I'd be content with that. Okay? But many people can't afford to save 20%. Their needs outweigh because they don't have, they're not making enough money. So these are just guidelines. Everybody is, you know, is individual. But my my biggest my biggest suggestion is just get started, and then once you get started, don't lose the habit of saving. And this is not money that you can save and I'm just going to spend it when I feel like it. You know, no, this is money you're saving for your retirement. Now if you want to save money for a new car, which I did many times over my lifetime, uh paid cash for my cars, but I always saved it up to pay the cash. And what that you know what that tends to do? It makes it tends for you to make, to buy a cheaper car because you don't you know all the hard work to save it, you don't want to spend it all. So that's what it made me do anyways. So you know, you want to have a comfortable retirement. That's the bottom line. And to do that you need to save and invest money over all your working life okay it's not impossible it really isn't let's grab another itunes question uh this is from uh, cosmo kramer uh when comparing ko and kdp which is a better hold let's see that's a very difficult kind of question to ask which is better hold well does it fit in your your your, your portfolio ko is coca-cola And I'm sure KDP is curing curing Dr. Pepper, okay? Uh, So they're both carbonated drink makers. So what's, (coughs) excuse me, Uh, if you were just to ask me a question, I would say, you know, between the two, without doing a lot of research, I'd say Coca-Cola. They have the massive brand that's internationally known, I would stick with that if you give me those two to pick from, okay? This is The Best Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here on this program and podcast to help you achieve financial freedom. And, of course, the work will continue right after the break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHARGE.
3: You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart.
1: 888 992 4278, everybody. Um, Worsting economic numbers for July and i do believe this is what caused the market weakness today this is what put pressure on the market downwards was the economic numbers that came out first uh first new home sales and that's it's the lowest since uh january 2016 that's the lowest number 511,000 homes new home sales they expected 574 down from 585 the month before. So, this is July. 511 versus 584 month before. So that's 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 what 12 13% that's a big drop month over month. And I think that's just getting started. Pending home sales will be out tomorrow. So, we'll you know maybe bring that up, maybe Justin will talk about it, but I definitely talk about it next time I'm here, I think on Friday. But some of the numbers that also weren't very good. Uh, August PMI numbers. So this is looking f- now. It's a kind of. It's not. It's not a complete number. It's a you know a, a, a estimate right now uh, for 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 manufacturing. It's fifty one point three from fifty two point two. But anything above fifty is expansion. But services fell to forty four point one. From 47.3 the month before, and they expected to go up a couple points, not down. So I think that was the shocker number. and remember, we are a service economy. and you've you've read the high li- high headlines as well as I have, and num- more and more companies are are suggesting they're going to lay off people. What that does is that causes a deeper recession. The expect that's why I say when I've said this many times the expectation of a recession will cause a recession the expectation of inflation will cause inflation because people change their behavior because they're worried they're worried it's gonna you know for instance uh recession people or the expectation they they start to save money instead of spend it remember we're we're, we're a service economy you know we're uh, and we're you know we're consumer driven inflation people expect it then there's no reason why no reason to hold it down because they expect it to go up so they just they don't shop around for bargains or they just and they pay the higher prices because yeah it's expected it's coming so these things help produce the very things that hurts us so it's kind of interesting so those economic numbers especially the services PMI was very uh, disturbing I mean, everybody expects the housing to get worse, but it's getting worse faster than they expect. So, this means what is Chairman, what Chairman Powell going to do? Is he still going to raise rates? Yes, he is. He is. Let's pivot to an Invest Talk voice bank question. The next question came in earlier from Texas.
2: Hello, Invest Talk. Mike from Texas. I'm a new investor just over a year now. I own 10 companies in six sectors. I'd like to get to about 20 to 25 stocks in my portfolio over the next couple of years. One sector I am not in is basic materials, and I'm looking at Silvamo, ticker SLVM. Just want to know your thoughts on expanding my portfolio with Silvamo. It's been public for a few years now, made money every year they've been public, good price to sales, low PE, their operations are global, good return on equity about 18%, enterprise value to EBITDA is below five, and they've just started paying a dividend. I am concerned that they've reported that their CAGR to be negative over the next several years, and one of their plants, along with a 250,000-acre farm of trees that they use for their paper products, are located in Brazil, and they've recently gotten out of their Russian operation due to the geopolitical atmosphere. Would this company still be a positive addition to my portfolio? Look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Thank you for all you do.
1: Okay, this is a company out of Memphis, Memphis Tennessee. manufactures renewable fiber-based packaging pulp and paper products with manufacturing operations globally. Okay, it's a $2 billion company. It makes money. It makes pretty good money. It's, uh, 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 it's going to make $8.64 $8. next year. This year, $8.50. It's a $45 stock. So it tells you it's a low price. Now, this is the kind of stock that deserves a low price because usually they don't have high growth. This company has been growing pretty fast the last four quarters, but it shrank the four quarters before that. This type of company is extremely cyclical. So I think you're at the top of the cycle right now, uh, economic cycle, for this company. So we're moving toward the next, you know, we're in recession, quote unquote, um, and usually these companies struggle in recession. Now it could be different for, for this company because it's, it is a fairly new and it's not that big, and maybe they have dynamics that I don't see here in front of me. It is not a very old company; came out. It's only been a public company for several years, four or five years, as you suggested. So um, it's it it's a good solid company at this point. Uh, and so I don't have a problem with it. They do have a lot of debt that makes me a bit nervous. That would be my one thing I would be very careful of. No one knows, no one I know likes paying income tax. They reduce your ability to save for your comfortable retirement and financial future as we all know, very painful. Nevertheless, the US income tax was first created in 1913. So as we go to break, here's my two part trivia question. What was the original federal income tax rate? The, The bottom bracket. And what was the highest tax rate? In the US history. Okay, that I think it will shock you. After the break I will supply the answer, but for now my phone lines are open and I encourage you to ask your questions. 888 99 chart.
4: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Redeem your fifty percent off now at rosettastone.com today.
1: One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk Podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk Podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, eight eight eight. 99 chart. Okay, I asked a trivia question before the break. Uh, what was the original federal income tax rate for the bottom bracket? Bottom bracket, and what was the highest tax rate in U.S. history? First, a little history. U.S. President Woodrow Wilson signed the Revenue Act of 1913 into law on October 3rd, 1913. So he was a dastardly president that put in the income tax. He lowered average tariff rates from 40% to 26%. Remember, the federal government was really run by tariffs. That was how it was funded with tariffs before that. 40% to 26%, but he also established at that time a 1% tax on income above $3,000 per year. 1%. The tax affected approximately 3% of the population. People didn't make hardly any money back then. Money went a lot further back then. So only 3% of the population paid 1% income tax. So what was the highest tax rate in U.S. history? 1944 and 45, World War II. A 94% rate applied to any income then above $200,000. Well, what would that be in today if you adjust it for inflation? What would it be? About $3,360,000, you'd be paying 94% income tax on that. Okay, here's a bonus question. What percentage of the U.S. citizenry pay no federal income tax right now? What percent pay no income tax? Well, the Nonpartisan Tax Policy Center estimates that 57% of U.S. households paid no federal income tax for 2021, up substantially from 44% before the pandemic. So well over half the people pay no income tax. So when the government says they're going to tax the rich, they're not talking about those people that don't pay taxes, right? They don't. So who's who's the rich? That's what really irritates me. What they really should say is they should tax the wealthy. They don't do that. Tax the wealthy. Tax people who are multi hundreds of millionaires or billionaires. Tax those people because they don't take income. They don't pay take income. They don't that's not how they pay themselves. Anyways, we won't get into that. Let's go to James in Georgia. Hi, James. Hey, how you doing,
0: Steve? I got a question. Um, I was looking at Newmark Group Incorporated. I hold the stock, and it's down to ten dollars and twenty-five cents a share right now. And I was
2: thinking about maybe adding to it. Uh, What are your thoughts? Do you think this would be a good time to get some more?
1: Let's see. Uh, What do they do? They're they're almost a two billion dollar company, so not too small. Headquarters in New York, New York, provides commercial real estate service uh, services business. That offer a full suite of services and products. So it's in real estate, commercial real estate, and that's probably why it's weakened. You know, because the markets, the property weakened. They're gonna uh, let's see, that was now that's a long time ago. They're make it. They're gonna make a dollar next year, dollar eighty-two this year. They made dollar seventy-two last year, eighty-nine cents a year before that. So this year and next year is the most they've ever made. Okay, it's a ten dollars and forty-seven cents stock. So it's pretty cheap. P ratio is what? If it's a $1.87, it's a $10 stock. We're looking at what? Uh, five, six, seven P.E., pretty low. The range is two to 16, so it's never it's had a high you know, range. 45% return on equity, which is very good. What's the debt? That's not too bad, that's surprising. Okay, I like that too. They've been growing their sales pretty briskly, um, but the sales growth is slowing. But it's still the last most recent one, June quarter, 22%, 20% growth in sales. So that's good. So, yeah, it's a good, solid company. I have no problem with you adding to it. But it is going to be cyclical because it's in real estate, right? So, but this should be the weakest part of the cycle. So I think it's holding up pretty well for being the weakest part of the cycle. Okay. The, don't you? Um, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, don't make a huge part of, your, part of your portfolio, but if you don't have enough to make it 3 to 5%, I, I'd increase it. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Okay. Good luck with it, James. I hope it Thank works you so for you. Thanks, James. Let's keep things moving, and I'll play another question, this time from an Talk listener in Arizona. Hi, this
2: is Jeremy from Tucson. A question about Biogen, C-E-I-I-B. Like to know your thoughts about it. Thank you.
1: Okay, Biogen, that's out of Cambridge, Massachusetts, develops treatments for uh, neurodegenerative uh, uh, autoimmune and metallurgic disorders. Me- hemo- 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 hemological? hemological disorders. Okay, I'm not good with medical terms whatsoever. Um, let's see. take a look at the earnings, they made nineteen dollars and twenty-two cents in two thousand twenty-one. This year they're going to make sixteen dollars and thirty-nine cents, and next year fifteen dollars and eighty-nine cents. So that's one of the reasons why the stock has been falling from three hundred and forty down to, you know, two hundred, a little bit below two hundred. It's at two hundred two now. Okay, so what two hundred two? Does that make it a good bargain? Well, there's no sales growth, and hasn't been for two years. That would concern me why isn't the sales growing cash flow is very strong 21 dollars a share um at 1587 the p.e is pretty darn low uh what 13 or so 14 something like that uh and that's unfortunately not that's not the five-year low the five-year low is seven p.e range seven to 30 is where it goes so it's not as cheap as you might expect. It looks cheap, but now when you compare it to its own history, it is not expensive either. Don't think I'm not trying to tell you it's expensive. It's not. What I would worry myself about is why is sales growth why is sales shrinking? Why can't why can't we be growing? It, I mean, we're talking the last two years, every quarter. So I can understand now, but why why, you know, a year and a half ago? What? Why why? So look at look to see where they're you know, do they have something coming out that will spark? This is biogen, everybody. B I B B I I B biogen. Is there something going to spark it? Something needs to spark it. You know, some they have to have some kind of major move of something to give them cells growth. You got to have that. If without that, James, I don't know. If, I mean, without that. Uh, um, the, I, I don't know if I'd I don't think buy, I' buy I don't think I'd buy it at this point unless I knew what that was hey you got to have some kind of catalyst okay appreciate the call thank you uh okay uh summer's here um, Well, we're getting pretty late in the summer I mean August is almost over and we're gonna to move into September what summer ends at September 21st is that that's when fall begins right the 21st of September? So we're not that far away from the summer being over with, okay? Uh, you know, right now in Reno it's ninety-seven degrees. San Diego's seventy-seven. That's about same temperature where I am in uh, San Juan Capistrano, which is in Orange County, South Orange County. Um, so keep in mind that you know we've had a lot of volatility over the summer, and are we going to have more? Are we are we going to calm down? Is no, and no one really knows? But I think we've had some pretty outside volatility, up and down. Not all bad. It's not all bad. Volatility in and of itself is not bad. It's just, you just got to recognize it and deal with it. I think it's worth a minute or two to maybe talk about the benefits of uh, our firm, KPP Financial, Justin, and I, Klein, Justin Klein and I own. Uh, we are based in Irvine, California, what's well, in Orange County in Southern California. And I'll remind you, at KPP, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking, shared success, and we, in, we implement that by, you know, practicing what we call parallel investing. We have no bias of any kind. Parallel investing means we buy the same things for ourselves we do for our clients. So, you know, we do that. Um, and we do it at the same time, same price, same percentage. So I'm on, we're, we want to be on the same side of the table as our clients when it comes to owning these investments. We have five different programs, from very risky to very non-risky, so it depends on how, who you are and what you want. I think after about 10 minutes of speaking with us, you'll understand the difference. You know, uh, we would love to talk to you, we would love to take a look at your portfolio, we'll help you, we really will help you. And you don't have to become a client, Don't. Ha- there's no obligation, we don't push, that's not who we are, okay, so give us a call. You can give us a call at our Irvine office or you can send us an email going to our website, KPP Financial or InvestTalk.com, one or the other. Uh, InvestTalk.com is usually where most people go to. So give us a call. Let's talk to Bill Hayward. Hi, Bill.
2: Good afternoon, Steve. Thank you very much for taking my call. Thank you. I was going to ask you about Devon Energy. I have a balanced uh, growth and income portfolio, and I was looking at that dividend, and I wanted to get your opinion on where do you think this company's headed, and what do you think about the dividend?
1: Well, I think the dividend's pretty safe, okay, they're going to make $9.81, a $70 stock, so what is that, 60, 60%, uh, payout ratio, and, and that's, that's kind of at the limit where we're comfortable, uh, and they're paying a 6.6% dividend, I mean, come on, that's not bad. They have some debt, no, nothing to worry about. The cash flow is pretty strong. Uh, management owns 1%. Mutual funds have been buyers. Devon Energy, everybody, simple, DVN, and is out of Oklahoma City, engaged in exploration and production of oil, gas, natural gas, the United States and Canada. Natural gas, of course, has been skyrocketing last year. Oil is pretty high. It's coming off its peak. But... There is no way that we are not going to continue using oil for a long time. The world demand for oil is going to go up in the next ten to twenty years, not down. So I, I know we want a clean, uh, you know clean climate and all that stuff. I, I do too. I'm just saying that you know the most of the world doesn't use oil and gas. You know, so when they start wanting to have independent uh, independence and more energy and electricity and those kinds of things. That, that, that's probably where they're going to turn to. So I have no problem owning this kind of company. We've been suggesting it for a while—not this particular one, but companies like this one. So, Bill, I have no problem with it. I don't. Good luck. This is Invest Talk. You probably know that, right? I mean, we've been here on this same show, same days for twenty-two plus. Years actually invest talk has been around for longer than that. So, you know, you're listening to it, and we appreciate it. We really do. I hope you're telling your friends and family members about it. It's free, it always is. Up next, we'll play another listener, play another listening question. So, just hang on.
3: Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice.
2: When do I know the right time to take profits?
3: And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction.
2: I think you have a terrific show and I've learned a whole lot.
3: So don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART.
2: Hey guys, love the show. This is Corey in North Carolina. Um, had a question about my IRA. I have a, a traditional IRA and I started out with about 2,000 in it since been listening to the podcast and it's grown just based on some penny stocks I've invested in to a little over 12,000 now in just a couple months. I'm 32 years old and I'm, I'm wondering if I should convert it to a Roth IRA just based on, you know, paying the taxes up front now, and if I continue to grow it more and more, using that Roth advantage of, you know, getting the tax breaks 59 and a half or however old it is you have to be to draw from the IRA. Look forward to hearing the answer, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, guys.
1: I wish it was a simple answer to that, but there isn't. So I was wondering if you have from your work a 401K, and is that a Roth 401K or a regular 401K? If you have a regular 401K and you have a regular IRA, then I'd probably be more prone to convert it. But you, you realize you, you can open up a Roth and just convert part of it because whatever you convert is going to be added to your incomes for that year, and you're going to have to pay income tax. So whatever you convert from your Roth, regular IRA to the Roth, remember, you convert two thousand. Well, that's two thousand more on in your income tax. So, what tax bracket are you in? So, if you're in a very low tax bracket, then it might be wise to convert it because you'd be paying low taxes. But if you convert the whole thing, would that push you into a higher tax bracket? And do you want to do that? That's why I said it. it's not a simple answer. yeah, you know, yeah or no? Do it. It's just not that simple. But these are the things you got to consider. So if you want to talk about it or you know you can talk to your accountant, that might be the smart place to talk to initially to see what what the burden of tax would be if you convert it. Good question. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. On the Nest Invest Talk, this story. Looking at the big picture in energy options. Energy options. Okay, that, that's tomorrow, everybody. For now, I'm Steve Peasley and I'm ready to take your questions live Eight eight eight. Chart.
3: This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart.
1: 888 992 4278. Let's talk to Robert in Pleasanton. Hi, Robert. Hey there, Steve. I'd like to get your opinion on a REIT. Uh, it's DOC, D O C. Huh? Mm-hmm. Physicians Realty Trust real estate investment trust investing in 279 properties located in 33 states it is a 3.8 almost 3.9 billion dollar company moving close to being a mid-sized company there uh, it's very solid very consistent um, it's gonna make a dollar four next year dollar two this year dollar five last year dollar five the year before the highest it's ever made was a dollar nine so don't expect it to be oh it's gonna go up really big it's not is is not, but it pays a five point three percent dividend, and I guarantee you they'll be able to continue to pay that five point three percent dividend. Sales growth has picked up in the last couple of quarters. Um, I I like it that they're in. Um, I, I I I do like the areas are in physicians, realty, trust, um, and I like that area. I think it's very. Rewarding, you want to buy this what's on sale, and when it gets on sale is about sixteen dollars a share which right now is seventeen twenty eight you would hurt not hurt yourself you bought it here and just held on to it but I think if we get a another down stroke in the correction or the bear market we're in, you might get it for sixteen dollars you may not maybe half position now mm-hmm. and half position later. But you're going to get that 5.3% no matter what you do. I kind of like it, Robert. There's another one I like a little bit better. But I can't, you know, tell someone to ask me about it. I can't really share. Robert, appreciate the question. Thank you. DOC, Doc, Physicians Realty Trust. Thanks for the call. Okay. um, J.P. Morgan says, with inflation, retirees need to toss out the 4% rule withdrawing while you're in retirement, 4% of your savings. And they said, no, doesn't apply. One of the reasons, they have several reasons. One, living longer, you're living longer. Two, people saving much less than they should be. Inflation and lower returns. That's one of the reasons. I don't know about, you know, why Why do I say I don't know? Well, because you can get conservative and start buying bonds, and they're they're getting close to, or overpaying over 4%. So it's not a bad, you know, I think the rules still can apply. And, of co- course, you might want to tailor, they su- they suggest, tailor-made withdrawal rates. Of course they would because they want to manage your money and they want to be the mani- money manager and they want to set up the plan for you so that you can pay them. <laughs> That's why. But, but you could do it yourself. I mean, you can. Um, and, again, I think the 4% rule is not out. I don't. I think it's a good, solid rule. I mean, if you're, if you're all of a sudden you notice over the next couple of years you're not earning 4% on your money, you can always reduce your withdrawal rate. You know, so you can do stuff like that. And another related topic, retirement risk you need to plan for besides just, you know, run out of money right besides that okay you need to plan for longevity which matches what jp morgan says about withdrawal withdrawal rule you need to plan you're going to live longer most people don't think so but you are okay um and you gotta people under budget for their wants not their needs in other words Many people retire and they want to go travel. They want to buy a motorhome. They want to do this and that. They don't have to. It's not a need. And most people don't budget that in retirement. You need to think about that. Okay? Uh, so it's a risk. And also, most people think, well, Medicare take care of everything. No. Not everything. There are certain out-of-pocket costs you're going to have to deal with. Okay, and another risk, bad money management and inflation. That You didn't have to worry about inflation until more recently, recently, right? Okay, so those are some of the things you've got to consider. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Out program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about us, about the free podcast downloads. You can get your downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes if you do get downloaded from them. It helps our profile. Then we appreciate it. Independent thing and shared success, everybody. This is Talk. Have a great night.
0: Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice. Or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security? Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.